Today's guest, you may have heard on the White Coat Investor podcast or the podcast by Kevin MD, maybe even on the Millionaires Unveiled or Clever Girl Finance. How about Rich Doc, Poor Doc? Well, if you haven't heard her on any of those, uh, you may have seen her on the Today Show on NBC. I tell you what, I can completely understand why everyone wants to hear today's guest speak. Uh, the, the, the perspective, the experience, the point of view, the mindset when it comes to money. I'm telling you what, you're going to want to listen to today. Today's guest is a physician, although she's taking a one-year break as she travels the world. Yes, that's really happening. She's the mama of three young ladies and the founder of the Money Fit MD platform. This is where she teaches and empowers women, women physicians to the CEO of their finances, to be the CEO of their finances, so they can practice medicine on their own terms without the burnout. And um, during a conversation, we talked about the willingness to walk. Um, what's it like to walk away? And in order to get to where you're going, sometimes you do have to walk away. So everybody, please welcome to the show, Dr. Latifa. Welcome to the Real Estate Mogul MD Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and taking control of your financial future. This is a show where we not only motivate and inspire, we give you actionable, real-world experience to help you live life by design. You'll hear journeys and stories from other physicians, investors, coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs. And now, here's your host, Brett Riggins. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Latifat. I've got so much to ask you. I'm so excited. Thank you, first of all. Much gratitude for coming on uh, onto the show. Thank you for your time. Thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure meeting physicians doing cool stuff. So I'm I'm really excited to be here and ready to share with your audience. Very, very good. And um, just to let the audience know, currently you are not in the country. You are outside of the country. You're actually in Nigeria right now, and you're on a one-year travel plan, correct? Absolutely, with my family. That is very cool. So you not only... Are you preaching, but you're practicing what you're preaching? Because that's the biggest thing, the, the ability to change our mindset, to change our actions and take control of our financial future. And that's exactly what you're doing. So I, I love it. I love that you're there. And I want to jump into this thing and talk a lot about these pieces that help us get there. Because you have um, Money Fit MD, and it's just this way that you're giving back and helping other physicians. And I've got to tell you, some of the shows that you've been on, the podcasts, um, the the people that are leaving testimonials for you, there's so many people backing behind you. And to me, that's results, results, results. So I'm really excited about that. So tell us a little bit about the medical journey first. Like, where did you start? How did you get started? And where are you at now? Besides being on a one-year traveling Absolutely. plan. So I am a GI doctor. I'm a gastroenterologist with an emphasis in colitis and Crohn's disease. I started practicing seven years ago, actually seven years ago in August was when I started my attending job. But prior to that, I was born in Nigeria, left here when I was 18 and lived in LA with some family members, my auntie, uncle, and some siblings went to UCLA, UCSF, and then New York, Mount Sinai for internal medicine residency, and then back to California, Sacramento for fellowship as GI. And after 
been there for three years. I love Sacramento for families. And I found a job that I really loved, which is doing almost like tertiary level care in a community-based setting at a large organization, large hospital system, you know, very diverse patient population, which a lot of what I do, I disparities is something that's important to me. So being able to practice that, have the ideal practice that I want without being in academia, it was literally like a steal for me. So that's what I did up until March 30th this year when I we started our sabbatical, which, you know, I've been called out on this a little bit because people are like, you took a sabbatical. It's awesome that your job let you do that. I'm like, no. Well, they probably would have let me, but I quit in order to be able to take a year to travel. And the reason why is because, you know, when you do something like take time off to do what we're doing as a family, it's ignorant to expect that your life is going to look the same when you get back. And I don't think it's fair for me to tell them that I'll be back with them in a year and then in the middle of the year decide, sorry, I'm choosing a different direction. So I'd rather just brick clean, uh, which is hard to do from a practical perspective, a mental perspective, but break up with them and, you know, do what we're doing right now and then figure out what I want to do when I when I grew up in a couple of months. When I grow up. <laughs> I love that. So and I'm just thinking to myself, kind of like leading us into this uh, a direction of what I'm excited to talk about, kind of like the mindset behind money. Um, as a GI, I mean, I'm sure there are other GIs out there um, that you probably didn't have an extraordinary different earning potential than other GIs or other types of physicians. I understand there's I'm not a physician myself. I understand that there are physician, there are ranges in, in niches. And when you, the, the saying Alex Ramosi, I heard him say, the riches are in the niches. So as you niche down mm-hmm. and you become more particular, more precise, the income um, will likely grow. But having said that, I'm not hearing like a, a higher, crazy earning power that you have, nor did you have any more hours in the day than anybody else who may be struggling right now or who may be dreaming of Telling the off the hospital, you know what? I'm good. I'm out. I'm, I'm taking my family around the world for a year. Maybe I'll be back. Maybe I won't. So you, you didn't have any more additional time in the day and you are alongside of other similar earning power, earning potential as other people. So what's the difference? Like, where do we start? You know, how did, where did this come about where you were just made your mind up? Like, this is possible. No, great question. And I'm glad you asked that because there's a lot of, yes, the riches are in the niches and there's a lot of disparities when it comes to earnings in medicine. If you're specialized, super specialized, you have a higher chance of a higher earning. If you're doing adult-based care, you have a higher chance of earning than someone that's doing say pediatric subspecialty. So there is that part. However, I do think that there's a lot of power that we also have when it comes to things like negotiating, making sure that we're also billing appropriately. And I say that because as a GI doctor, it's easy for people to think that I actually was earning a ton, which relative to the general public, yes, I am. But in the physician world, I have coached physicians, primary care doctors who traditionally have a low income 
you know, sort of like lower end of the income. And I literally have coached people that have been able to earn just as much as I am as a GI doctor in their clinical work, right? So there is a part of it that's systemic issues with billing and government issues, right? And low offers for salaries. But there's also a part of like us negotiating, us learning how to give value, not just staying in the place of what value do I want to give, but what is a value that the other person is going to appreciate that I can also give them that's within the, my own ethical compass, right? So that means that I'm not saying go do something like signing off on charts that you don't want to do. No, I'm not saying that. But there are ways that good ethical physicians can earn money by giving value at the place that they're in. And so it's possible for you to earn. And again, I did not, I probably earn more on the average of GI, um, but that is something for your audience, you know, because I don't want people to be stuck in thinking that all they need is this higher salary in order to be able to do what they want or think that they're doomed because culture and everybody has told them that pediatricians, primary care doctors, endocrinologists earn low amount of money. You can do it because it's not just about what you earn, but what you do with it that matters. So that's part of like the mindset piece that has to change when it comes to what if you want to create the freedom that you want, freedom of life, freedom of whatever it is, but it really just starts with not just Yes, how can I earn more? But also, what are you doing with what you have, right? So that's that part about salary. But if I was going to talk about the part about time, that part is actually super duper important. And the reason why it's important is I agree with you 100%. I only have 24 hours in my day. I do like to sleep sometimes. I love my hammock usually. I'm married. I love my husband. I really like hanging out with him. He's a really cool dude. So that means I spend time with him. And I have three little ladies that are the reason why I do a lot of things that I do when it comes to empowering women, advocacy. So I have to spend time with them because if I'm spending money on on building my mindset, if I'm spending money on coaching, I'm spending money on learning all the stuff, it's a disservice to my family if I'm not spending time with my family to pass that on to my kids, right? So I say that to let people know that all I do is not just work. I have a life, a lot of life, right? But the way that I think about time is how I think about money. The way I think about time is this. A lot of times when it comes to money, people think that you earn, you spend, and then if you have something left, you invest. That's not how you do it. That's what we've been taught traditionally. But in my opinion, the best way to do it is you invest and then you spend what's left because that forces you to invest. That forces you to, you know, whether it's like the stock market, whether it's like in real estate, like businesses, whatever you want to invest in, but you invest first and you spend the rest. And that's the same thing with time. I invest my time in assets first. I invest my time in things that bring me more wealth in the expensive from, you know, frame of mind. And my time, patient care is part of my wealth building because when I take care of my patients, I'm giving up my expertise and that gives me wealth in ways that maybe even dollars only may not do, right? When I'm investing my time on a Saturday learning about how to invest in real estate, that is literally paying my future self back. So I invest my time in assets first and then whatever is left is liability you know i spend that on liability which is just like whatever wants to happen whoever wants my time then they can have whatever is left but i've spent my time doing and investing in what is going to bring me more time more wealth and more you know sort of like the wealth of my relationships as well so that is the mindset piece of how i think about time and then you know of course delegation 
delegation, delegation, delegation. Anytime we're doing anything new, whether it's like investing in a property, whether it's like checking out a property, I'm already looking at thinking like, what am I, what do I need to delegate? Like, who, like, you know, going back to that book, who not, is it, uh, who not how? I'm not sure. I'm sure you're probably familiar with that, yeah. but that's a great example of how you can start to think about not just like, how am I going to fix this? But who can be my, my vehicle? Like, who can be my, whose time can I leverage that can be a blessing to them and a blessing to me as well so that we can both have what we want? I hope that makes sense. Yes. There, there was a lot in there. <laughs> there was so much in there. Um, the first thing, Roland, Should I apologize. I'll- <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. And for the note takers out there, I hope that you were jotting that stuff down. The, the, I guess the glory of, um, the benefit of podcasts is you can just rewind and listen to what Dr. Latifa just laid down there because there was so much. There was so much there. First of all, back to that earning piece, um, is very interesting. So I had laid it out there. I was trying to point out that you're not any different really than any other physician out there with the, uh, uh, I guess the opportunities with the earning, with the time, those two things, right? But interesting, you pointed out that there is a difference because of the mindset. You you started looking at um, what you are earning and then how you could basically increase that, not by changing your job, but not by changing these other things, but changing your mindset with negotiating, right? What are you willing to accept? What are these pieces that you can do to increase already where you're already earning to twist that to use time in your advantage and increase the income where you're at currently. I think that's a remarkable way of looking at that. But we talked about it's, it's similar. Granted, the, the specialty, you know, is going to sway, but in generally speaking, you have the potential to have an high or high income. And we've already stepped into this piece that it's, uh, you know, the mindset piece, um, to make that difference. And I also love how you talked about investing your time in assets. And what I'm hearing when you're saying that, Dr. Latifat, is that that time that you're investing in assets is down the road, you're getting your time back. And that's answering your why question. So you know what it is that that you're looking for because you know why. These little things, the, the passive income, getting your time back, all of this stuff, there are layers. And when you break down those layers, you get to the core and your core is the awesome dude that you have as a husband, those three young ladies that you have. And it's getting that time back to spend with them. It's not the time, but it's the time that you spend with them that you now you're giving up a little bit now to get to these pieces, but you're investing in assets. And just that little bit of breakdown for those of you who have not read the wonderful purple book that I think everybody should read, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, assets put money into your pocket, liabilities take money out of your pocket. So investing in these assets early on to to fuel your why bucket and to get back. Um, the interesting part of that, Dr. Latifat, is uh, the delegation piece. And there, I could go into so many different w- ways here. But delegate is a necessity. Um, it can be dangerous if you're not picking the right people. Um, the idea of learn, implement, and outsource, that idea of learning that process so you know what to look for, know what questions to ask is really important. But it's a necessity because 
if if I'm creating investments that are just basically me buying myself another job, what are we actually doing? We're not filling that bucket back up, right? So the last thing in this little piece too is the ethics. Doing these things to adjust or or modify our current earning potential, but that has to align with our values. Just like our investing, it has to align with our values and making these decisions to um to increase your income, but doing it in a way that that makes you know fills your love bucket still. It's it still got you feeling good, right? We're not we're not doing anything questionable. So what did you hear me say back to you when through all that? Did anything stand out to you in those summary points? Absolutely. I want to actually go back to what you said about delegation. You had a three-step process. Can you repeat that? Learn, implement, and outsource. I love that. I love that. Because exactly that's what it is. Um, You have to learn. And I literally just posted that on a Facebook group today where someone was asking that question. And my answer was, delegating is very different from abdicating responsibilities. And, you know, what I see people doing when it comes to even finances is, delegating before they even understand delegating before having like knowing delegating without and what ends up happening is that we actually are cheating ourselves and you know a lot of your audiences are really smart people which means that regardless of what they do their brain is well optimized and they have the potential to understand all those lingos more than if they did not have the brain that they had, right? And so when I think about it, it's like learning for ourselves so that we can actually utilize our team partners better, right? It's a very com- like different conversation if I'm talking to an agent and I don't know anything about what I'm talking about versus I'm talking to an agent and I get like, I can understand the lingo a little bit. I'm confident in who I am. I can ask for more education from them, right? But I 100% agree with you. Like that first step has to happen. You have to learn it. You have to understand. You don't have to be an expert at it, but you have to be at least, you know, maybe B minus level or maybe C plus, something like that, right? So that you can, you can vet so that you can know that you're, when things are not going right, you know how to correct it. And also I'm a huge fan of not depending a hundred percent on other people, right? So when you know you have your own back to fall on, which I think is an important thing for humans in general. So this is, I guess in my life, the learn, implement, outsource. And I, now I'm not making this stuff up. Just like you say, in order to be the wealthiest person in the room, you don't know, you don't have to know everything. And I think it, you know, coming back to Henry Ford uh, along the lines of, you know, I don't have to know everything. I just have to ask the right questions. So the wealthiest people in the room are going to be the people that ask the best questions. And, and even at this B minus level that you put, I still need to know what I need to know right? Sometimes I don't. So maybe that's the good question I ask. So if I'm going into a situation with you, Dr. Latifat, I would say, hey, what's something I need to know here? What was something that you picked up first going into the situation? So having the ability to ask these kind of questions is really important. That learn, implement, outsource piece was, uh, I picked that up in a book called uh, E-Myth. I believe it's from E-Myth, Roger Gerber, I think was Gerber, was the, uh, the, man, I love that that book. right now. I love it. I love it. And let me tell you, right personal experience, this learn, implement, outsource, but don't do it the other way around. Because I got to the point where 
I'm a go getter. Like I stir it up. My wife has fought this for eight years now. We're all, I'm the vision, right? I go, I stir it up. I create these things. Oh, I can do this, do this. And I'm like the Tasmanian devils just spinning these chaos tornadoes. And then she has to pick up and I, it's amplified by when I had the, the capital, uh, to, to delegate. And it's like, boom, I don't need to do that. I understand that. Boom, go, go, go. And I tell everybody too, I look up, I'd be running towards the goal and I look around and nobody's around me. Everybody's going their own directions and I'm creating these storms. I got to a point, Dr. Latif, that where my assistants needed assistance. You know, what is that? That's not doing things right. So you've got to do this the right way. It also made me think of, um, I don't know if it was the one thing or four hour work week. I can't remember which book this came from, but eliminate, delegate and automate. So there's a process in which mm-hmm. that we do this. We're not, I don't want to delegate something that, that doesn't even need to be done. So I'm going to go through my yeah, processes crap. as I learn implement and outsource. I need to eliminate, delegate and automate. Uh, I love the automation I where like it. I'm in there now, I'm using some new resources. What we're doing acquiring single family rentals is, is mind blowing. Um, and I absolutely love it, but it coming off these foundational pieces of learn, implement, learn, implement and outsource and then eliminate, delegate and automate. So I love it. And the elimination has to happen. Yeah. It has to happen because otherwise you just end up, I'm a GI doctor. So you just end up dragging shit everywhere. Yeah. And you know, that's not the ideal goal. So yeah. I a hundred percent agree that elimination is important. Did you say sheet? You're grabbing, sh- dragging sheet everywhere? S-H-I-T. Shit. <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> I love it. So there was a, there was a, um, uh, what is that? The way that you speak, that slang, but, um, Accent, your accent covered that up. I was like, I thought that's what you said in there. Um, and then negotiation was, uh, had a little twist on it too. But yes, absolutely. We're not going to be dragging that stuff around that we don't need to be dragging around. So very well put, very well put. And I'm back on this moneyfitmd.com. And, um, you've got this, we're recording this here in just the end of Q3 in 2023, um, second week of October, but um, you've got something coming up. So the show won't air until after this comes up and you've got a two day program going on. I'm really excited about it. And I've got this thing up in front of me right now, moneyfitmd.com. I'm sure you're going to be doing more of these things. Um, but we're talking about certain things that I love sharing. I love it. I don't know how I stumbled upon it. I watched an Instagram post that you had about changing your family tree. You can't change your genetics. You can't change how your tree started. But you can change where your tree is growing. And I, I am a testament of that. I mean, looking at from where I come from um, for generations and from what the room I stand in right now, the happiness that just glows from me now is remarkable. And it's the mindset piece. And you're talking a lot about this. Um, the first thing that comes up is this: the psychology behind money, um, the master, the art of thinking about money. Overcoming the fear associated with spending, debt, and investing. Like, what are some of the big pieces that you're going to talk about during this two-day program in day one? So with day one, what I'm doing is, so a lot of times when people want to learn about money, they're running straight for the math. They're like, just show me the math. Just show me the math. (laughs) And I'm like, it doesn't matter how amazing a seed is. If you don't place it on a good soil, 
it ain't going to grow. Right. So the soil is the mindset, is the baggage, like the blockage that we have. And so many times we have things that we've associated with ourselves, like I'm not good with money. I cannot be an investor and all this other identity stuff that we've carried around us. And it doesn't matter how much knowledge you get. You're not going to be able to use it the way you should if all that is just the baggage that you're handling. Right. So the first part we're going to do is really deal with the soil. Like, let's find those actual blocks that stand in between you and where you want to be and share some tools with you on how to change the power of that mindset. Right. I always talk about the fact that everything we do in this life, the great things we want to do requires hard work. It's hard work to keep your limiting beliefs. It's hard work to change your limiting beliefs. So just decide which one you want to do and do what's going to get you the outcome that you want. So a lot of the early morning is going to be about that, really helping people shift so that when we get to the numbers part, it is like simple like that. And that's what I've seen. When people deal with that part of the stuff, where they start to understand the stories that they've been telling themselves about money and wealth building, now when you get to the math part and the definition, like what's a Roth IRA, what's a follow 1K, what's a spending plan, all that becomes super duper easy because now the soil has been set. So day one is going to be a lot of like tilling the soil. And then day two is going to be where we add the math part of it. And, you know, the goal is for them to leave with a plan that they can go execute by themselves or if they want to join our program where we can actually coach them over 12 months to be able to execute the plan that they have. I love it. I love it. So this this soil piece, till the soil, I love that piece too. And in my mind, I'm a very visual person. I don't know why, uh, like how all this stuff happens in my mind, but I picture this idea when you say soil, it's like, this is great because we talk about foundations, but reaping and sowing. We, you know, and there's this, this, that's a great analogy. In my mind, I picture, I had a conversation uh, with a guest here on the show uh, just recently. And I, it was one of those ones where so I could almost got procured, right? Or um, it almost got taken out, right? And it, because he didn't believe in, in investing and in leveraging and thought doctors should not buy real estate and all this stuff. And I went into that conversation just, okay. Show me why. Show me how. I want to understand because my soil is um, malleable, right? My soil is workable. And that's the soil is like my brain that like is like a sponge. It just wants to absorb and, and change and grow. And that, that limiting, limiting mindset or limiting beliefs out there, Dr. Latifat, are create like this concrete inside of you. Arrogance is one of them. And that arrogance is like just, you have got a rock in your head. And even though that rock may create a diamond at some point through stress and time and pressure and all of that, but think of all the opportunities you're missing because it won't change or because it won't, um, it's not able to plant. You're not able to plant other things in there. So I just got that like visual of somebody having like a concrete brain, a rock Absolutely. brain that's like, Absolutely. listen to what other people are doing. Don't be so set on, on your ways. Um, Absolutely. And that, that conditioning piece about the, the tree, like we can't, we can't decide where our tree starts. Right. Um, but the conditioning is what that one thing that we're unaware of as we grow, especially as children, that first seven years, you know, it's detrimental to us. But even after that, 
and even when we're grown now, we still have this conditioning that's happening all the time. You're turning on the news. You're talking with other physicians. And you may be surrounded by other physicians who tell you that real estate is just not the way for doctors. Don't Absolutely. do that. Right. Absolutely. Stay. Keep your W-2. Pay your taxes. Just like your uh, you're just like your accountant says, stay safe. Don't don't do anything. This is the way you do it. Now, look at me. Here I am. I'm 65, 70 years old and I'm, this is what I got, right? So there's a conditioning that happens not only in our family, but with our associations. So we talk about expanding our associations and limiting our associations. And all of this comes back down to that tree, controlling that tree, right? Controlling the direction of that by tilling your soil, nurturing your soil, taking care of yourself. Absolutely. Your association can make or break you. Um, and I say that with, with humility and also as someone that didn't quite, I mean, when I was growing up, my parents would say that, but more like, don't be a bad person. Don't hang out with people that are going to go, you know, rob the store, like that kind of stuff. Right. But as I've gotten even older and hopefully wiser, your association can literally make or break you. Right. You know, talking about changing family trees and talking about like concrete brain. When I started learning, I didn't know anything about all this stuff until literally seven years ago. I knew nothing. I was like negative $200,000 in debt. I did not actually even know what I owed at that point. Uh, I knew zero about any of this stuff, right? But when I started learning for myself, the only reason why I did was back to that whole thing about like integrity. My belief is that in order to practice medicine in integrity, I have to be willing to walk. Because if you're not willing to walk, it's hard for you to stay in integrity because you're always going to be worried about your human needs like shelter, food, and all that stuff, right? And But when I started, a lot of my friends were not in the wealth-minded space, right? And, you know, anytime I talked about money, it was like, what are you talking about? Like, our jobs are good. Our jobs are secure and all the stuff. I'm like, guys, you know, it's almost like doomsday, but without doomsday. Like, you, you got always have a plan B. Like, you have to be able to, you know, not put all your eggs in one basket. But if I had listened to them, I would not have done a lot of the stuff that I've done. And it was hard because these are my good friends that love me. And, you know, the feelings are mutual. But I had to come to terms of the fact that not everybody you love is going to be able to be everything you need, right, in that season. So I had to seek out seek out those support for myself outside of my immediate surroundings. And I'm glad I did because that has helped me be sustainable right? And be able to last this long to the point where those people that thought I was crazy, they now have learned from me. They've, you know, followed the steps. I've coached them. And now they're like, they are doing crazy things in the world because they are the right kind of dangerous physicians, the ones that are not afraid to walk. And that is what it's going to take for us to change things is to not be afraid to walk. And, you know, that's, that's my mission is to help more physicians and more women physicians not be afraid to walk so that we can actually change healthcare in a positive way. The brain in its simplest form is pain or pleasure. And in this idea of willing to walk is we're going to find the paths of least resistance to make sure that we are escaping pain and we're living in pleasure. And that idea of I'm keeping the right, per keeping the wrong person around for too long, staying in the wrong place for too long. So many of these things are, it's just easier in the moment, but we don't see where a lot of times we don't have the ability to see the long term effect of that. And that association piece is massive because 
you even have to be willing to walk away from your family when it's required. And I know that that's tough. I know that that it happens. But if you think about it, you're the average of the four or five people you spend the most time with. So if you think about it, if I'm, that's why I got away from property management, you know, because we learned sweat equity, sweat. We did everything from the get go. I found myself surrounded with people with like three or 400 uh, credit scores, evictions, you know, making excuses for everything where they're pointing their finger at everybody else. So I found myself surrounded. Like I don't want to be around that. So you have to be willing to walk around your from your friends, from your um, certain jobs, from your family. I know it's hard, um, but it has to happen because that thing about the the average of the four or five people around you is so true. You have to be able to disassociate is just as important as associating. And the the debt piece. Now looking back, like when you first walk away. I've had experience with this too, Dr. Ladiva, where it's like, why would you do that? You know, why would you move away? Why won't you come hang out with us? Why won't you do this? We were so happy, right? So you get this guilt, right? This guilt trip from people when, when these things are happening. So it's tough, but to know is to grow. When you first, the self-realization part is the first piece of self-development and understanding, right? Where you're at. You talked about your debt and you didn't even know how much debt you had. I was the same way in college. I was just, oh, that's a loan. Okay, I got to go to that office and sign this piece of paper. Great. Take me back to class. So I had no idea what that debt was uh, or the running debt. So when you know, you get the opportunity to grow. And that's so important. And there's so many of these things. It's like, that's the first piece. And you're going to get all these other things thrown at you along the way when you're doing this. But now looking back, now you've helped others. And it makes me think of um, the idea, if I can't raise my head and see over the weeds, then I can't help anybody else grow. If I'm down in the weeds with everybody else, I'm, nothing's ever going to change, right? So focusing in on yourself and not all of these things, you're shaking your head while I'm speaking this, all of these things, these guilt trips, um, these pain, you know, seeking that pleasure versus the pain, you have to be willing to walk in every single situation to lift your head above the weeds. Absolutely. And I'm just going to add one more thing to that, which is, you know, at, at the end of the day, many times we have to make a decision between experiencing guilt or looking back with regret. Interesting. You know, Interesting. and people just get to choose. Mm -hmm. You know, you just get to choose. Do you want to look back in regret and wish that you had changed the trajectory of your life? Do you wish that would you want to look back and wish that you had, and you know, we're never going to get it right a hundred percent, but there are some big decisions that I think are worth not missing. Do I want to, do I regret not my friends not understanding my wealth journey? If I did not change, I would look back with regret because I would hate my life because I would be stuck. Right. And at that point, I had no plans of a sabbatical. That was not something that I thought about until literally six months before I took it. It was not, I just wanted to be able to live my life with decreased, with low regret. You can't have zero regret, but low regret. That's it, yeah. right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, most decisions you have to make is, do I, you know, guilt? Am I willing to experience guilt when it comes to relationships? Am I willing to experience guilt of like, I don't want to hang out with you right now? Or guilt of, you know, Latifah talks about money all the time. Or guilt of saying no to someone in the short term so I can invest that money and have more money in the long term. Or do I want to look back, at, you know, with regret? And for me, regret is one of those, 
you know, negative emotions that actually does drive me. Um, I, you know, I leave my life running from regret. I don't want to regret. I don't want to look back at the end of my life when I'm, you know, 90, maybe nine. No, I think end of my life is going to be like 93 or something. We'll see. <laughs> but I don't want to look back at 93 and wish I'd spent time with my family or traveled or taken better care of my patients or been honest with my patients or, you know, lived as ethically as I possibly can. It's not going to be perfect at the end of the day. But for me, and everybody gets to figure out what their own is. But for me, regret is something that I do not like. And so I make my decisions based on that. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's having that direction prior to a decision. And this is, I find myself talking about this a lot on the show, proactive versus reactive. And if I have this mindset first, then I know I have, I'm not going to make every decision right. Everybody's journey is just a little bit different. But if I am being proactive versus reactive in these scenarios, hey, if I got the chance to do this, I would do it, right? If I'm thinking of these things, if I'm being intentional, if I'm journaling things, then I have the ability to learn prior to these opportunities. So this this debt thing, I just want to touch on this just a little bit. You talked about debt and um, you mentioned spending plan. Um, and these are a, another couple of pieces that really tie into things leading into like uh, the math here. And then on day two, getting talking about real estate and all of this stuff with, we're definitely going to have to have you back with TFAT and talk about real estate. This is the real estate mogul MD, but so much of it is mindset, even to get to that point. So we've got to, we've got to till the soil. I, I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, Hey, TFAT told me this. I'm going to tell everybody till the soil, till the soil. So this idea of debt, paying the debt down faster. What's just like a, a 36,000 feet in the air look at paying debt down faster? Okay. So the simple way we're going to make it 30 seconds conversation is I'm not averse to debt. I do think that debt can be a tool that you can use for great things. If I did not embrace debt, I probably would not have been able to go from, you know, negative 200K where I was to where I am today. Debt it was a tool in that. but understanding that it's a tool that you can use or not use. So things like if it's high interest debt, from a mathematical perspective, it's better to pay those off fast because it's hard for you to find something you're going to invest in that's going to give you 20 something percent return guaranteed. And that's what you're paying on your credit card. So if it's high interest rate, definitely over 10%, try as much as possible to pay it off. And then if it's lower interest, then it becomes a question of like, at what point does it make sense to pay it off versus invest in? I'm a huge fan of leveraging with wisdom. I'm a huge fan of wisdom and leveraging as someone that does real estate. You're very familiar with that, which is, you know, buying properties without putting in money. I mean, you can put money down. You can put 20% down, 25% down. I don't like the idea of 0%. I think that can be a little risky. So I usually like to do things like, you know, I put down 20% of the money and the bank partners with the rest. But I make sure that what I'm investing in is to the best of my knowledge, education and all that, something that cash flows, I can pay that money and still put stuff back in my pocket. That's wisdom. But I think treating debt Avoiding debt is not necessarily wise. However, I think using debt without understanding how to use it as a tool is also not wise. So there's somewhere in between, which is why I usually recommend that people stay in. And how about the the student debt? And in my mind, always like figuring out, okay, when and how do we attack that coming from zero income to six-figure income? Um so minus all the lifestyle, or maybe this is a piece of it with TFAT, maybe um, 
the lifestyle, holding down the lifestyle creep. And then how do we, how do we focus then at the dead? And when I say lifestyle creep, I'm talking about the new house because you deserve it. The new car because you deserve it and because that doctor drives it, right? The, the flashy clothes, the, the country club and all of the other, um, uh, things that are attached to that, that increase expenses, you know, along the way too. So holding down lifestyle creep, how do we attack this, this big student debt piece? Absolutely. First of all, anytime you hear your brain say, I deserve it, that's entitlement. Just pause right there. You can have it. I can choose to have this or not have it. But this, like that thought of I deserve it is the fastest way to just like doing nonsense with your finances. So <laughs> we deserve to be alive. We deserve to be sheltered because it's a great thing to have shelter and food. But when it comes to buying, thinking I deserve is I want is better. And then when you say you want, it makes it more conscious, right? Versus like I deserve. But in general, what I always tell people is the the burden. So the main thing about debt is the stress that it gives people. And I, I call it, I don't actually preach debt free. I preach freedom from debt. <laughs> and the way that I define freedom from debt is not just about having debt or not. It's based on, because if you think about the stress that comes from debt, it's usually because people do not believe that they can pay it off and they do not have a plan. When you have a plan, the debt is a, might as well be gone. So most times when I talk to people, I ask them like when the debt are they going to pay off their debt is, right? So when they're like, well, my high interest debt and all that is going to be done in 2030, it's pretty much done automate it and it's done and you can be free because it's pretty much done right so when it comes to student loans that's something that i recommend to people there is a whole idea of like loan forgiveness that is coming up right now that is really confusing it's changing like every day like the weather so it's hard to have an up-to-date thing but i always recommend that when people have a high you know when they have a lot of debt relative to their income so more than 1.5 times their income is a general number that I throw around, then it's helpful for them to look at what the options are. And it may be helpful to talk to a loan consultant that's very up-to-date about what's going on right now that may help you decide whether you should be paying it off or whether you should plan for like loan forgiveness. And if you're planning for loan forgiveness, then the loan is forgiven in 10 years. It's already done. So now like have the freedom from debt so that you can move on with your life, sleep well at night and not be burdened. In general, student loans tend to have a lower interest rate than credit cards. So if people are deciding between credit card debt and student loan debt, please pay off your credit card debt because, again, usually has a higher balance. But in general, the most important thing is having a plan. And when you have a plan, automate that plan. And then it's pretty much done. Just anytime your brain is like, but I have $150,000 in debt and student debt. You're like, it's 2023. 2030, it's already done. That's how you get the freedom of mindset from debt is by having a plan and having and putting the plan in place. And that's where automation, um, you know, that's I love automation as well. That's where automation comes into play. You mentioned the credit card and um, paying that off first. You said a lower ba- uh, higher balance, but I think you meant higher interest rate when we're looking at that 1.5%. Yes. Yes. And the other piece of this too, Latifat, would be these are unsecured. Debt. So unsecured, meaning that it's not an asset, likely it's a liability and that it's taking money out of your pocket. So that's where we're kind of like juggling this thing of, okay, um, with the, the asset idea, the good debt versus bad debt. I know that, I, like you say, you put 20, 
20% down on this rental property. This thing is there's an arbitrage that we're paying on that, that leverage debt versus the cash flow. And we're taking out all of these things called uh, expenses, insurance, taxes, property management, the reserves, the vacancy, the maintenance, CapEx maintenance. So we're taking all these things out and we're cash flowing. And then we get the stat side of these things, that principal pay down. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. The profit centers of this. Um, and then we get depreciation. Appreciation is nice, but we're not, you know, I would typically push that out. I kind of keep it in my mind a little bit because I like it because it's automated, right? Yep. Um, it's, it's automated. So I love that. Absolutely. Um, focusing on these things, the stress cloud that hangs above us. I know. And as you speak this, I look back through the years. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm just like I said, I'm a, I'm a go getter, visionary. I go for things. I'm a risk taker. Uh, and, and, uh, I'm a comma mover, if that makes sense. In the risk taker and a comma mover, when things don't go the right way, it's big stuff, right? So this stress that hangs over your head and, ah, it's just crazy. But yeah, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it because I have gratitude in faith that the system, the plan works and that in this day, say 2030 that you say, 20 that that day it's done it's over and i have complete faith but that faith is backed with gratitude and we talk about this i talk about it quite a bit on the show of being grateful and being grateful for again your time today it's awesome i'm gonna have we gotta have you back on the show i I love the conversation here but just grateful that you're able to uh devote your time and give back to others because you did change your tree, right? You're happy. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's not going to be perfect all the time, but, but no, but it's, it's, it's happy. It's good. It feels good. And we're grateful. If you could ask yourself, or I said, if you could go back 10, 15 years and stand beside somebody who is on the similar path as you, maybe similar um, similar mindset at that time, similar direction in medicine. Um, what would you tell them? You know, I would tell them, um, kind of the things we've talked about, to be honest. I would say change your surroundings because that's the lowest hanging way for them. Like change your environment doesn't mean don't be where you want, but expand your network. Because if you do that, it's going to change you. It's probably been the singular, most valuable thing that I've done that's made the biggest impact in my life is really the environment that I surround myself with. Like surround yourself with people that are givers, right? But also be a giver. People that are growth-minded, people that don't necessarily sit down and say that I deserve, I deserve. Because the more you deserve, the less gratitude you're going to have to be honest with you, right? The more you think I deserve, the less gratitude you're going to have. But when you're like, I, listen, the only thing I think I should deserve is like some sort of shelter. So I'm not in the rain, food, minimum viable expenses. Everything else is a gift. Like those are the people you want to surround yourself with because when the going gets tough, they will also find ways to help you stay alive and keep your mental state in balance. So that would be the one thing that I will tell them. And also the next thing is, there is a way to build wealth in a way that's in integrity with yourself and just find the right people to help you with that. And you'll be fine. That's amazing. That's amazing. So when I first started asking that question, you know, through all of the recordings, I would ask, Hey, if you could go back and tell yourself something, but it's kind of like a trick question 
because I wouldn't want to go. I wouldn't want to change anything because of how grateful I am for where I'm at. So I love it. I'll ask that question now. I said, if you could stand beside someone who may be on a similar path as you, then how would, you know, what, what could they do? And the idea of grabbing that, you, you call it low hanging fruit. It, it, it seems like it's the easiest thing, but sometimes it may be so difficult because of the things we talked about. Um, the guilt and the, the all of this stuff that everybody's going to give you if you have to separate from them or what it's going to take yes. to step up, be willing to walk away from certain situations. Because think about it five years from now. Think about what it would be like 10 years from now and to remove those limiting beliefs along the way instead of saying, what if the bad thing happens? We can remove those limiting beliefs by saying, what if? this good thing happened. And then we set that plan and then we set it on auto, auto drive, automate. Those are the things that, that kind of change our lives. And it's so remarkable. So thank you so much. I've got to say though, the website one more time, moneyfitmd.com. You do have that two day coming up and this will be published here in a couple of months from now. So this two day will be gone, but I'm sure you will have more and that's forward slash MMMS. Um, for that. And they, the listeners Absolutely. can also find you on uh, Instagram. I love it. You've got some great posts on there. I was actually looking at some of them. I mentioned some of them on here and that's just money fit MD on Instagram. Correct. All that sounds sound good. good. Sounds great. Awesome. And you, uh, my dear, have been an absolute pleasure to speak with. Uh, maybe it's because I talked the whole time. Maybe I just like listening to myself. No, it was. I, I fun. felt like I talked the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Thank I you again. I'm so grateful. We'll have you back on the show. Um, I'll just encourage the listeners to come out um, to the Money Fit MD website because this stuff is gold. This is absolutely the uh, nutrients that you need to put in your soil. Uh, and I'll use your words for that one. So the listeners out there today, thank you so much for your time. We are extremely grateful for your time. And and like I always say, more importantly, for your attention. Um, your attention is is where all the value is. And these days, it may be difficult with your workload, family, uh, social media, all this stuff, trying to grab your attention. But thank you so much for giving it to us today. Hopefully, We've planted some seeds. Hopefully you're able to go through and, and realize the soil that we're working with here is, is where the magic is at. So if you, if you get the chance, check out Money Fit MD. Um, if you have any questions for us, shoot us an email at, uh, let's see, info at physicianwellsystems.com. And until the next time, thank you so much. We'll see you again. Real Estate Mogul MD.